The reason why we need to understand the sex lives of fish is because sex is at the heart of sustainability. So sex is what drives the abundance of the ocean. It's what allows all the swirling balls of bait fish that feed the fish that feed us. It's what allows oysters to reproduce in enough abundance to create reefs that protect our shorelines. It's also what drives diversity. Diversity is what is nature's insurance policy against changes in the environment. So it's really important uh, that we have healthy, successful sex lives of animals in the ocean. And the way we study this is multiple ways. Sometimes it's taking uh, submersibles under the sea to look and, and see what the actions are that are going on down there. That can require a little bit of luck sometimes, <laughs> but uh, we have been lucky and been able to see some of these activities. Other times it can be done in the lab where we literally do experiments looking at how sperm and eggs get together from different animals, or um, sometimes it's through genetics, using tools to study parenthood like we would paternity tests in people. The same thing can happen out in the environment so we can figure out who's mating with who. So all sorts of different ways that we can study and understand what these animals are doing sort of uh, in their intimate acts. Most romantic courtship in the ocean, I would have to say, is probably amongst lobsters, which I know sounds surprising because of the way that they're so big and armored in appearance. But um, the female, when she meets with the male, the best time for her to meet with him is right after she molts. And this means that she's a soft-bodied animal. And the reason why this is beneficial is that the female has a receptacle on the end of her, underneath her tail. It's like a small pouch. And that's where all the sperm is stored. And when she molts, that uh, receptacle gets tossed off with the old shell. And any lingering sperm that she hasn't used yet gets tossed out with it. So when her new shell forms, that that pouch is empty and she wants to fill it up as quickly as possible so that she can fertilize multiple batches of eggs before she has to molt again. For the male, having a freshly molted female means that he's not having to share room in that pouch with any other male sperm. So both of them want to get together right after she molts, but this means that she is really vulnerable because she's soft-bodied, she can't even stand. So they go through this really elaborate courtship where she winds up actually um, spraying him in the face with lots of her urine. It's a, a pee is a very powerful love potion in the ocean. And this sort of puts the male into this very um, gentle and calm sort of trance. Rather than being aggressive, he becomes very gentle. And right after she molts, after they've gone through this courtship, he actually scoops her up and he'll put his big claws down in the sand, embrace himself with his tail, and then he uses his walking legs to hold her, almost like a, as if her body's in a hammock of his legs. He rolls her over and then they mate belly to belly, um, pretty much the missionary position, and um, then he'll lay her back down after that's done and she goes off to the den and he will sort of stand guard over her and help protect her over the next few days while, while her shell hardens. So it's actually quite sweet, it's very tender. Uh, comes out of a little bit of kinkiness, but it's, uh, it's quite romantic in the end. One of the weirdest couplings that I explored when doing, <laughs> doing the research for this book has to be in the deep sea worm known as Ocidax. So Ocidax means bone devourer. These are deep sea worms that colonize dead whales when they fall to the bottom of the ocean. They're scavengers. And we only just discovered them about 15, 20 years ago. And when researchers first found them, they noticed two things. First, that they have no mouths or guts, so they can't eat. So what these worms do is they 
sort of send down these root-like structures into the bone and it liquefies the bone and the fats and proteins then go across the membrane into the worm, into these sacs where there's all these bacteria. The bacteria then digest all that material and then the worm eats off the bacteria. So they're kind of a strange organism to start with. What they also noticed was that in all of these worms, they had very distinct ovaries. So they were all females. And they looked inside and they saw these little black, dark kind of dots, sort of specks throughout the females that they assumed were the sperm. They thought, okay, so we have all these females and there's all this sperm, but there's no males. The males have to be around because the sperm's there, but they couldn't find them. So about a year later, one of the researchers, Dr. Greg Rouse, who's now at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography, he was looking sort of under higher magnitude uh, in his microscope, and he noticed that instead of seeing specks, what he actually was seeing were males. So what happens is inside the female live these tiny microscopic dwarf males that can be up to 100,000 times smaller than the female. I mean, totally bizarre male-female um, size difference going on. So the next question, of course, was how do these males get there? And so what they think happens is when a whale settles to the seafloor, the larvae of these worms are swimming around looking for a food source, and they'll settle down, and they'll grow as females first, the first ones to arrive. But then the females will emit this chemical or some sort of a pheromone so that the latecomers to the party get stunted, and the larvae are actually um, unable to develop any further except for their testes. So this chemical turns them into males. It stunts all their growth except for their gonads. The males then go inside the tube and these enormous testes form where they then pump out tons of sperm for the female. And they live off their little yolk sac that came with them as larvae. And then when they die, the female just brings in new males. So she's harems of hundreds of these tiny little males living inside her. To me, that has to be one of the weirdest couplings that, that we have in, in, on the planet. There's many things we can do to encourage successful sex of marine species. One of the first is to give them a little privacy when it is time for them to get down to business. So often uh, spawning aggregations are one example of this. Many species reproduce one time of year. It's either um, often in association with the full moon or some, sometimes it can be seasonally, but they get together in big groups where all the adults come in. This happens in grouper and snapper and jacks. It happens in sea urchins. And they get together in these large groups and they will spawn. When we fish on those spawning aggregations, we're disturbing the behaviors that coordinate the timing of that release. Basically, you're taking out all the best breeders right when they're creating the next generation. So giving spawning aggregations and, and animals when they're reproducing the, the sort of peace and quiet to get their jobs done is really important. The other thing we can do is to really try to cut back on uh, chemical and other types of toxins that are going into the oceans. We know that um, hormones that have been manufactured for all sorts of drugs and, and purposes that humans use them for run off into the ocean and are affecting the uh, sex of different organisms. We're getting males with female parts and females with male parts. And these are, these are disturbances that can really upset the balance and sex ratio of a population so that they're not able to reproduce in a healthy way. And finally, climate change. Um, strong action on climate change is really important because climate change is an overriding stress 
when the waters of the ocean warm, when they become more acidic, which are the two main things that happen with climate change, animals have to work harder to do their basic survival tasks. And just like us, when we're working on a really long week or a hard day at the office and we come home, sex kind of takes a back seat. <laughs> it's, it's not what's at the forefront when all of our energy is going into just surviving. So those are some of the main things that we can do to try to help promote rather than thwart uh, successful sex in the sea. So for folks who want to witness some of these amorous acts, especially here in California, there's some fantastic sex on the beach that goes on among animals. Next month, uh, the Grunion Runs will start. This happens all along the southern coast of California where thousands of these small silver fish that look kind of like cigars come up and beach themselves temporarily and get into some pretty funky, uh, really oceanic orgies on the beach. And it's wonderful. You can go and watch this. It often happens um, a little bit later in the evening, but they're so predictable. If you go on the State of California website, they actually have a calendar that will show when the Grunion are, are running, which days of the month. Another great place where you can see some of this act is just up north uh, where, with the northern elephant seals. And this happens right around Valentine's Day where the males and females will be, they're hauled up on the beaches now, but the males and females will start their courtship and um, it's a, it's a short courtship. The males kind of <laughs> take over the game, but um, you can see them reproducing. You can see the new pups on the beach that have just been born, and that's all happening just north of here. Other wonderful, wonderful experience for those who are snorkelers or divers is in the Caribbean every summer after the full moon starting in July, August, September, and also October, different species of coral will undergo a mass spawn. And that is an absolutely magical event where you can watch the corals release thousands of these little tiny sperm egg bundles into the water. And it's like the underwater world turns into a blizzard, except that the snowflakes are pink and they float upwards. And it really is a cool experience and something that anybody can watch just from floating at the surface.